This is Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital channel Carnival. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel in Melbourne, Carnival. Also via rsn.net.au and the RSN Racing and Sport app. The podcast is also available via Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Deezer, the iHeartRadio website and app, and at WARFradio.com. Coming up on this week's show, we're going to preview the QAFLW Grand Final between Yoronga South Brisbane and Coolangatta Tweed by chatting to Devils Captain Mia Walsh and Bluebirds Captain Alex Hamlin. We're also going to be catching up with Melbourne's newest Irish recruit, Lauren McGee. But first, the latest women's footy news. Just a couple of brief women's footy news snippets for this week. The AFLW draft nomination process for 2020 is officially closed. We'll have draft night in just a couple of weeks, Tuesday, October 6th. One surprise out of the nominations process, and that is of Sarah Perkins. Famously, she applied for the Victorian draft pool in 2016, was overlooked and was signed as a free agent to the Adelaide Crows for the inaugural AFLW season. She would go on and be a part of that inaugural AFLW premiership side, spend three seasons with the Adelaide Crows before being delisted. In 2020, she'd be a top-up player with Melbourne. Well, for the 2021 season, she's nominated for the Queensland Draft Pool, meaning she's eligible to be picked up by the Lions or the Suns. So watch this space on draft night. Well, she'll be playing for Brisbane or the Gold Coast. Kate Darby will not be playing in the 2021 AFLW season, but for a good reason, she's announced that she's pregnant. This means Geelong will be given an extra draft pick at the end of the AFLW draft on October 6th to cover Kate Darby for the 2021 season. Looking overseas to AFL Europe, we'll be celebrating their Festival of Football. There will be a one women's tournament as part of the Festival of Football. That'll be happening in Sweden, being held at the Limham Australian Football Ground in Malmo on the 26th of September. Now, that date was originally supposed to be AFL Grand Final Day in a normal world, but AFL Europe have decided to mark the occasion by having their representative member countries, if possible, due to COVID restrictions, to hold a tournament on that day to celebrate Aussie rules football. In Sweden, there will be a three-team tournament of both men's and women's sides uh, made up by the Port Malmo Lynx for the women, uh, the Nortali Dockers, and a Scandinavian All-Stars team. So women's football happening in Sweden this Saturday. We're going to dive in early with a scoreboard check looking at the results from the Women's State Leagues from around Australia from last weekend. And as you might have guessed, the winners in the QAFLW preliminary finals over the weekend were calling out a tweet and Yoronga South Brisbane. Uh, the Devils caused a boil over, knocking off the minor premiers Bond University. Yoronga South Brisbane 11-6-72, defeating Bond University 5-7-37. In the other preliminary final, calling out a tweet 11-4-70, defeating Marucci door 7-6-48 that sets up a grand final showdown at Bond University between the Bluebirds and the Devils this Sunday afternoon. We'll be chatting to the captains of the sides very shortly. Across to Western Australia, the WAFL Women's Grand Final held over the weekend and they've done it They've gone from last to first in the space of just 12 months. The Peel Thunder 
are the premiers of the West Australian Football League women's competition, defeating Subiaco in a boil over, 4-4-28 to 2-1-13. 15-year-old Alla Roberts, guess what? She kicked two goals again. And what a stage to do it on in the grand final. Best of field was Chloe Wrigley winning the Lou Nittner medal. Across to the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division, and they had their first round of finals over the weekend in the qualifying final. East Coast Eagles 8-6-54 defeated Southern Power 4-7-31. And in the elimination final, Inner West Magpies 3-1-19 eliminated the North Shore Bombers 1-7-13. Ouch, inaccurate kicking coming home to bite so to week two of finals and let's have a look at the semi-final this is the major semi uh, for the right to go through to the grand final Manly Warringah Wolves versus East Coast Eagles 1pm on Saturday at Cambridge Oval and then on the Sunday in the elimination semi it's Southern Power versus Inner West Magpies that's 1.20pm Sunday at Henson Park. And finally, across the Tasmanian State League women's competition, who are still in their home and away season, uh, one game played over the weekend for round 10. Uh, the Tigers just registered the one behind, going down at home to Clarence, 13-6-84. Looking ahead to round 11 action on Saturday, September 26, 3.45pm at Richmond Oval, Clarence versus Launceston, 4pm at Twins Ovals, it's Tigers versus North Launceston, Glenorchy having the bye. And now on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast here on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival, it's time to turn our focus to Queensland. This Sunday, it's the 2020 Bond University Queensland Australian Football League Women's Grand Final being played at Bond University between the Yoronga South Brisbane Devils and the Coolangatta Tweed Bluebirds. And it's our great privilege to have on the line the Devils captain in Mia Walsh. Mia, how are you? I'm excellent, thank you. How are the nerves now as we're starting to count down the days to this Sunday? Yeah, they're, they're actually uh, not too bad at the moment. I think I'm still on a high from the weekend. But um, ask me again Friday and Saturday night and they'll certainly be there. <laughs> Indeed. And a repeat of 2016, uh, yourselves meeting Coolangatta Tweed in the grand final. But there's a little quirk in there. Coolangatta won that 2016 grand final, coached by Aaron Russell, who is now your coach. Yeah. Yes, yes. No, that uh, we've been yeah fortunate enough to have Aaron for um, last year and this year. So, yeah, it's been great. What has he brought to the club? And I guess uh, the focus and the rebuild towards trying to win a premiership again, your last being in 2017. Yeah, look, we've, we've had, have had a um, big change in um, player movement, I guess, over the last few years. Um, so when Aaron came on board last year and, in 2019 and um, I think since then and and this year we've been able to really focus on having a good structure and retaining players Um, he's brought you know a really positive culture um, which I think has aligned with the girls that we have now with it's such a supportive bunch of girls we we're really there Um, we lift each other up we're there to support each other whether you're injured or not um, everybody gets out there Um, and I just think the the general feel amongst the club um, is um, everybody loves playing football and they want to do it together and they do it for each other and they do it for the jersey. And that positivity um, has come from the coaching staff as well, which has supported us to play the game we love. Let's talk about this um, 
unusual preseason uh, for Yoronga South Brisbane on, on two fronts. Uh, uh, one, naturally being, of course, for all the, the clubs, is that a very shortened preseason. Your season would normally kick off uh, in a late March, April-type fashion um, mm. as part of what will happen with Victoria next year and has happened in South Australia in the past. They're aligning the state leagues with the AFLW. So you had an earlier kickoff in February, so a shortened preseason and unfortunately for the Yoronga South Brisbane Club, there, there was tragedy in December. Yes, yeah. Um, in December, we, we did lose um, two people who were really uh, just a really strong part of our club. That was um, Julie and Jess Richards. Um, so, you know, in the middle of pre-season, um, that, was, that just hit a lot of people really hard. Um, they were just so instrumental um, in the volunteering sense. Um Julie amongst the club, she was always there being, you know, uh, managers and volunteering, water runners, all of those things. And um, Jess was just a fantastic um, young young woman, really. So, you know, from that, we've really gathered around each other. Um, you know, it's those times that you really realise that it's the footy family that get you through those kind of things. Um, and we've been able to um, remember her and kind of commemorate that in our first, our first game back of the season this year in February. I guess that's the one small advantage of having the season kick off early is that you're able to to get together in in a way mourn and and then celebrate the life. Yeah, no, it is, and just what that meant to the club and what they mean to the club and how we can continue to you know celebrate their life. Um, and um, you know, we we retired um, Jess's number in the reserves team in in the development team, and um, you know we've got it up in the clubhouse, and, and um, that's something that. Yeah, I think just footy family is really important. Um, sometimes you take for granted the, all the people that you surround yourself when you play football um, and what else they can do for you away from the football field. All of that combined together seemed to drive a real spirit behind Yoronga South Brisbane early. You were off to a flying start. Uh, you were sitting in the top three. Um, had a close loss against Koolangatatwee the first time you met a side vastly different compared to what mm. will run out in the park this weekend. And then everything hit pause. Yes, it was, you know, we had a fantastic preseason. Um, the team was feeling fantastic, just strong and positive and just ready to go. Um, we knew, you know, the calibre of players we had around us. Um, and this is, you know, prior to the AFLW players coming back. And then COVID hit. And, you know, we, we tried to band together and stay to mu- um, together as much as we could by um, almost going through another preseason, which is sometimes um, quite hard, you know, just from a mental health perspective to think, oh gosh, you know, we've worked hard, so hard to get where we are. But we made it fun, you know, we had little competitions away from it. We had running groups and teams and, you know, you had to um, clock up as many kilometres as you could by yourself, but it was within a team and, you know, it just kept that banter alive. And as restrictions were lifted and we could do small group things, we had, you know, five of us doing something and then another restriction would be lifted. We had 10 of us and we slowly built back to, to being, you know, back at training. And I think everybody understanding that how grateful and, um, you know, we are lucky we are up in Queensland to have footy back. We've just strived to work our hardest and just to appreciate playing footy every weekend. Because I think to, even when it went, came back, you know, you never knew if that was going to be the last weekend. Um, it was still, still, you know, tender times. So, 
It's a very surreal thing to talk about because obviously here in Victoria, we've had a complete wipeout of our uh, football yeah. season. Not only the AFL moving out, but there's been no local football, men's or women's whatsoever across mm. any age group. Um, there in Queensland, what's the spirit been like? I mean, I know it's obviously the men's game, but having the AFL actually essentially based out of Queensland and a greater focus on footy happening in the Sunshine State. Yeah, I think I I just feel like it's the, the dominant code at the moment. It's you know you turn on the TV on a Tuesday night, a Wednesday night, a Monday night, and there's football on. Um, you know you're driving around on the weekends and there are juniors playing. And um, you know my, I'm fortunate enough, and my kids are um, playing in you know Saturday mornings. And there's that real community spirit that we're still able to have. And I think everybody though really appreciates it's in the forefront of our mind um, what other states are going through. So I just think we have to um, acknowledge that and, and be humble in our approach to just recognize that we are very fortunate up here, that we can continue doing something that we love um, and it really builds the community spirit. So um, that's been fantastic. And, you know, here we are. We're now finally at the grand final. We got through it. It's one of the longest seasons that I think anyone has ever played. You know, they they brought it forward to February and now it's been extended through to the very end of September. So um, the girls the girls are revving up, um, but it has been a very long year. And uh, it was a long restart as well when you throw in a couple of draws and a one-point mm. result. Oh, yeah. It looked... I mean, we, we all knew that um, coming out of uh, COVID kind of shutdown that there was you just don't know what how how we've been going. We didn't have the ability to even do training with contact. We had one week of contact, um, full contact training before our first game. So we knew that those first couple of weeks, as confident as we were with our team, we're going to be really getting the cobwebs out. And I think that's, you know, those draws and that third game was so close to being a draw. Um, we were almost, you know, thinking that we're going to be laughing here and whoever draws an AFL game. And then we drew two in a row. So... Um, that I think in some ways that really spurred us on and the momentum that Yoronga as a club um, has continued to have in an um, upward direction is just a nice like but here we are we've hit finals and we we are still going um, the best is yet to come and that's what I'm excited about a peculiar logjam, uh, a top six this year for the QAFLW where um, yourselves were fourth one went ahead of uh, Kuparu. Yeah. Uh, you were just behind Maruchidor on percentage. You were one win behind Kulingata Tweet, your opponents for the weekend, but you actually had a better percentage than them. Yeah, I know. It's an interesting ladder. And I think it probably all comes back to those draws that we had and, you know, uh, the, the points in, in that respect. Um, the, there's a lot of close matches and sometimes the, the ladder isn't a true representation of how the, the club's going or those particular teams are going. Um but I, I think, um, as a lot of players and, and our coaches have said, we don't have to play our best footy in the first few rounds. Um, you know, we're trying to reach something here and our momentum is growing and we're now playing some of the best footy we ever have. So um, that's what's been happening the last few weeks and, and here we are. We're ready for the, the big dance on the weekend. Let's talk about that build-up in the finals campaign. You had to play Kuparu in the uh, first elimination final. You found yourselves three points down at halftime against a side that are an experienced finals campaigner and have won many mm. premierships. What's that feeling going into halftime to what would eventually be a blowout third term, 5-2 to just the one behind? Yeah, 
Look, I think it's something that we have been working on in um, keeping that positive spirit and really trying to play our game, not um, you know being guided too much by the other team and their game plan and us just following them along. So, you know, it took um, courage, I guess, to play our game plan and and the ability, knowing our ability and to be able to just trust in each other and players. And when it clicks, it absolutely clicks. And that's what happened in the third quarter. Um, we really just got around each other. And once we had the momentum, nothing was going to stop us then. So, And that allowed you to book a date with uh, uh, Bond University, of course, the minor premiers. What's mm-hmm. the feeling like going into that one? Uh, obviously, backs against the wall. You actually got the early jump this time around. Yeah, we did. I, th- I think there was a – not that anyone probably, you know, talked about it in a sense, but just that um, little – conscious feeling that we were the underdogs and really there's um we knew what we had to do and there was nothing we could do wrong if we were if we went out and played the game that we wanted to play we knew we could beat them um the pressure was probably more so on bond being you know top of the ladder and and there you know we'd we'd lost to them previously um but it it wasn't you know a huge loss and we knew what we needed to do um so as soon as we got that momentum we that was our goal was to continue and keep that um, and essentially put it down to Bond to drop their heads. Um, and we just we just took away with the game. Let's talk about the squad that you've got together and players that have played for you um, across the season. It's almost like a, a who's who of Queensland football. Uh, I'll mention, of course, yeah. uh, yeah. e- Emily Bates, Jordan Zanchetta, uh, Jackie Yorston, uh, Courtney Bromage, uh, Jay Perigelli, um continuing through with Sam Virgo, who's always been a rock in defence, Dee Heslop mm-hmm. as well, Renee Cowan, that's another quality defender. Um, mm-hmm. You rip off names such as Gabby Collingwood in the side as well. It's a yeah. it's a superstar team. and yeah, oh. Lucy Bellinger. It just keeps yeah. going and going. I know there's it, it really is um, on paper. It's a bit of an all star team. Um, you know the the I think the knowledge and the strength that they bring to this side is just phenomenal. Um, they're so supportive at training. Um, they're always there um, if you want to ask them a question or to just give guidance as well. Um, you know, the kind of the feedback that they give all of us, whether you're experienced or not, um, is amazing. And I, I just think that builds that positive culture. Um, they're such amazing players to watch. And what I was mentioned before, like when it clicks, it's just like magic. Nothing can, can cut through that. I tell you what, it's one of the, you know, strongest midfields, um, out there. And it, it's, it is really fantastic. I'm, I feel so privileged and humbled to be able to play on this team, let alone, you know, be a captain. It's amazing. It seems surreal, doesn't it, to be a captain of such a great quality side that they're all looking to you <laughs> for leadership. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, um, you know, it's something that um, I've kind of always said. I'm definitely by by far, I am not the best player on that team. But if I can just bring out the best in each of the players, then that is my role done. So, I'm. I just want to be there to do that. Um, bring out the best in them and bind us together. Um, and and everybody can show their true colours, and and it's gonna it's gonna be absolute magic on the weekend. That name that I was going to save to last was, of course, Victorian legend Lauren Arnell, who was formerly of the Darren yeah. Falcons. Won ten flags there with Yoronga should be going for eleventh premiership. No one's gone to a look. Can <laughs> mate, give someone else a go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe the premiership follow her around. Um, she might be that extra little lucky charm. Um, she's been a huge, huge injection of um, knowledge and just 
her understanding of the game and her ability to kind of almost, I guess, coach while, you know, training and playing. Um, and the feedback she gives is, yeah, second to none. She's, she's a really, I, I think she's a little bit of a quiet assassin myself. Um, she's just an amazing player to play with and watch her. Um, she, yeah, she's fantastic. So let's talk about uh, your opponents who have also got some uh, quality footballers as well. As we said, the, the round three result, you really can't count because the sides were, were quite different when it was uh, 19 mm. points, the difference. Round eight, you did meet and it was just four points, the difference. Just to kick in it, what lessons can you take away from that game to try and introduce into the grand final? Yeah, I think um, we have taken a lot from that game and our ability um, in the you know last few minutes of each quarter um, to try and work on, I guess, that, that lockdown style of play um, and to really focus on um, tightening, um, I guess, tightening up our game sense and, and working closer, like really marking up man on man. And it's, you know, it's one to one in those last few seconds because I think it was the end of each quarter that it really got quite tight. And, you know, to end the game just down by four, four points, um, I think that's something that we have been working on. And the composure, just bringing composure to the game in those stressful times, really trying to go back to our, our style of football and use the skill that we have that's, you know, so readily available around the ground. One of the quirks of this year's grand final is, as in years gone past, the grand final would normally be held at Leishon Park, like it was when you last mm. played Gatta back in uh, 2016. Now, Coolangatta have found themselves in a, a unique situation because they've got players that are based in New South, northern New South Wales and there is border restrictions in Queensland. A border bubble has been reintroduced. So, therefore, uh, the... They can't hold the grand final at Leishon Park. It's being played at a neutral venue on the Gold Coast, being Bond University, mm. which I think in one way they're seeing it as, oh, great, it's a neutral venue. It's not at Yoronga's home ground. But in another way, you just played at Bond University last week, so you're very used to the facility. Yes. Yeah, I think, and that's a little bit of, um, that's something nice to kind of know that, you know, we've just played Bond at Bond um, and we've been able to be successful there. Um, nobody has any reservations about travelling down to, to Bond and it is a great facility to play at. Um, we've got, you know, a huge number of supporters that are going to make the trip as well. Um, so we're, we're excited. Um, I think just it doesn't matter where. Of course, it would have been amazing to have both of our teams, um, you know, the seniors and the development in the grand final at home. But, but that's not the case. And we're so so privileged to be able to have got this far um, in the sense from COVID and that we're still playing football. So if it means we get to play the grand final, but it has to be a bond, then so be it. We can we can take it on anywhere we play. And the final big question for you, Mia, what would it mean to you personally if the final siren blows on Sunday afternoon? They ask you to come up stage. They put a medal around <laughs> your neck and hand you a premiership cup and you're forever known as Mia Walsh, premiership captain. Oh, look, I'm, you know, I'm a pretty emotional person at times and I think there'll definitely be some tears there, um, not only for me personally, but I think for a lot of girls, it really does mean a lot. Um, but how we have all come together this year, um, really we wouldn't be in this stage if it wasn't for the you know 60-odd girls that got us here. As you were saying, pre-COVID, we had a different team than we got. We were you know, fortunate enough to get all the AFLW players in. Um, you know, the players that play up and down, I just think it's such a team effort. Um, I, I'm going to be overwhelmed with emotion and, 
and just so I'm so proud of the girls already. I honestly am. And even just winning against Bond, I had a little tear when that siren went and then, you know, jumped with elation. So I think you can expect a huge smile from me, possible tears and, um, yeah, lots of hugs. Well, Mia, thank you very much for joining us here at the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's Digital Radio Channel Carnival. And we wish you and the Yoronga South Brisbane Devils all the very best as you take on the Coolangatta Tweed Bluebirds this Sunday at Bond University in the QAFLW Grand Final. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Don't go anywhere. Our interview with Coolangatta Tweed Bluebirds captain Alex Hamlin coming up on the other side of this break here on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel, Carnival. There's jumpers, hoodies and tees for you at leaguetees.com.au Leaguetees.com.au is your place for retro footy gear with designs created by local artists that you won't find anywhere else. Plus, their unique range of women's footy tees help raise funds for Indigenous literacy programs. Get online and start shopping today. Leaguetees.com.au We are the Australian Literacy and Numeracy Foundation striving to empower our most marginalised communities through literacy and education. Literacy is having a voice. Literacy is opportunity. Literacy is dreaming big. Literacy is freedom. Today, you can help end inequality and give every child access to our life-changing and proven literacy programs. Your support is vital. Donate now at alnf.org. As we continue our preview of the Queensland Australian Football League Women's Grand Final to be held this Sunday at Bond University, the 2016 opponents squaring up between Yoronga South Brisbane and Coolangatta Tweed Bluebirds. Coolangatta Tweed got the chocolates in 2016 and our guest on the line wants to make sure it happens again in 2020. It's great to have on the line the Bluebirds captain, Alexandra Hamlin. Alex, how are you? I'm great, thank you. As I chat to you, it's early in the week. Um, have the grand final nerves hit yet? The reality set in, considering this crazy year, that you're off to fight for the Premiership. Oh, no nerves just yet. Um, we're still pretty excited that we've made the grand final. Um, I'm just heading off to a recovery session with the team now, so I'll see how everyone's feeling. Um, as it gets later in the week, I'm sure there'll be a few nerves going around. Let's rewind back a bit to the start of the year. Um, two things we need to talk about during pre-season. A, how was pre-season this year leading into, for the first time ever, the QAFLW kicking off in February and then also having a new coach? She helped a little bit during the second half of last year as an assistant coach, but uh, a former commentator of ours, Nicole Graves, taking over as head coach there at Gullingatta. Yeah, we had a really fantastic pre-season. Um, as you said, we got Gravesy on board um, towards the back end of last season. So she started our pre-season with us in November. Um, we had a break over Christmas and, yeah, we were pretty hard into it in January and February. So we had a really solid pre-season and a really good hit out um, in the first three games of the season, which we won. So... We were pretty devastated when we had to break for COVID. Um, but no, pre-season was fantastic. 
You could probably give a, a little bit of an insight to Victorians for this because we know next year the VFLW will move to a uh, mid-February start to kind of line up with the AFLW like Queensland has and South Australia has beforehand. Um, how did you find that adjustment with that early pre-season? Considering normally in January you come back, you're easing into it after a long Christmas break and then you really start to ramp it up come March or April depending on when a season starts. How was it preparing with that shorter time frame? I actually think it was good. Um, we did get started a bit earlier than we would have normally. Um, but sometimes pre-seasons can feel a bit long, to be honest, and, and people can get a bit, you know, the um, commitment and sort of the attention can drop off a little bit. So it was kind of good we knew that short time frame we were working with so we just got stuck in and got it done um probably a big factor was um the heat up here in starting a bit earlier we really felt the heat in the first couple of games with those first couple of games you managed to get a nice little springboard to set yourself up for what would be the second half of the season but let's talk about that you've got off to the flying start things are feeling good it's mid-march then COVID hits and everything stops. Uh, we've talked to a number of leagues about how, how this has affected them. Um, for you personally, how does it feel? You know, you beautiful warm weather. You've got off to an early start in the season and now you're kind of in this waiting game. Yeah, initially we were really devastated. Um, then I guess everyone, you know, considered the broader picture and in light of what was happening in Australia and the world, it wasn't really wasn't the end of the world putting football on hold for a few months um, and we kind of rallied together and made sure we were all staying fit and where possible we were still training in small groups um, if it was permitted and we actually started um, an ISO kind of challenge to see um, who could run the most kilometres or you know, bike riding circuits, lots of different um, challenges that accumulated points. So we kind of kept kept the competition running to keep everyone motivated, which was fun and made the time seem like it passed a bit quicker. Now, Coolingatta is also in a unique position in the QAFLW competition, and it's also resulted in an effect of the grand final being moved. Um, The original grand final plans were that if Coolingatta did not make the grand final, uh, regardless of who was in it, it was going to be played at Leishon Park, I believe, in Yoraga, like it had been in a number of years gone by. Uh, But there was a caveat to that. If Coolingatta made it, it would be brought in a location uh, right down in the southeast corner on the Gold Coast because I believe you've got a situation because you're on the border, a team on the border where you've got players from New South Wales, there is a, a restriction in where you can play. Yes, yeah, so there's a border bubble um, restriction. So um, girls that live in northern New South Wales that are in the border area can only go up to, I believe it's around almost in Queensland, so they can't actually go to Brisbane. So our coach did a wonderful job of getting in contact with the league and making sure we sorted all of that out so we weren't disadvantaged by that. Um, And as it turns out, um, it's 
probably a slight advantage for us having the grand final of Bond because, as you said, it would have ordinarily been at Lation Park, which is your longest home ground. So we've managed to get it on neutral ground, which is a small win for us. And when we do say neutral ground, we should actually just point out quickly that your first season in Queensland, when you moved up from Victoria, you actually played at Bond University. Yes, I did. I I arrived at Bond University with my football boots and mouth guard, and I was quite disappointed to find out there wasn't a women's footy team. So there was a few other girls uh, that had played footy before, and a few that hadn't but were keen to have a go. So we spoke to the boys and said, we want to start a girls' team, what do you think? Um, it took a little bit of organising, but we got a team sorted and we were playing in um, the low division for the first couple of years. And to be honest, we were getting absolutely smashed every week. Um, but it was good just to be playing footy again and... Um, as I got towards the end of my degree at Bond, I was I was thinking about um, you know giving giving it up, stopping playing football. But I was lucky enough to get a message from um, the current coach of Coolangatta at the time, um, Aaron Russell, and he said, "Do you want to come down and play with Coolangatta in the higher division?" And I said, "Yeah, that sounds great." So. That's how I ended up at Coolangatta. And rather ironically, again, not only played on Bond University's the neutral ground where you played at, but your former Coolangatta tweet coach, Aaron Russell, is coaching the opposition this weekend, Yoronga South Brisbane. Yeah, it's crazy. He actually messaged me today and said, you know, congratulations on making it to the big dance. Um, you know, I can't believe that four years on, you know, it's happening again, except that on the other side, so... Yeah, it's quite uncanny, actually, the whole situation. Let's talk about um, the restart a couple of months ago. Uh, round four, and you jump back into it, and they say, look, you're going to play out the uh, full season, and then we're going to go into finals. Must have been tough going, because you had the minor premiers and then top side Bond University straight up coming back from out of the break. Yeah, it was tough. Um as much as we've kept up our personal training and, and skills, nothing can really prepare you for um, game-type fitness. So, yeah, it was pretty hard, and we did have a run of um, few hard teams there. So we just stuck at it. We knew that we were working towards the bigger picture at the end. So, yeah, we got through those games, and we were lucky we sort of... Um, finished off this year with a few, not easy games, but up against um, opponents that were a bit lower on the ladder. So, yeah, we, we got through the season in the end. That does beg the question because um, those wins did get you up to second spot, which is it's always nice to have, I guess, a week off when it look in an aspect of anyone's got injuries, give them a little bit more time to recover. But having that week off, did you feel it was good for the side or, or did it stop the momentum a little bit because you were coming into a, a Maroochydore team that had been constantly improving year on year? Yes. Um, my, initially, I was a little bit concerned. I... I sort of prefer to play through. But 
as it turns out, I think the break benefited the team um, physically because we played, I think it was about nine games straight. There was no time for a, a bye, so we were quite physically tired. Um, but I also think mentally it was quite good for the girls to have a break and refresh ourselves and have a hard week of training leading into that game against Maruchidor. And with Maruchidor, you got off to a uh, fantastic start. You uh, jumped them four goals to 2-2. Two, two. Uh, you opened up a 27-point gap at halftime. And uh, even though Maruchidor did claw it back a little bit in the final quarter, you were able to uh, coast through uh, virtually unscathed getting into the grand final. Yeah, we were really pleased with our first half. Um, we were, yeah, we came out firing. We're a little disappointed that we dropped the bundle a little bit in the third quarter, but um, showed a bit of resilience and managed to get the game back on our terms in the second half of the third quarter and then the last quarter. So, yeah, all in all, it was a pretty, pretty good outcome for us. We were happy with our game and we're just looking to where we need to improve next week against Chiranga. And a day out for Lauren James, we should mention, uh, kicking a lazy six. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I lost track of how many she kicked and I asked her after the game and she said six and I thought she was joking. She, she had a field day. Let's talk about your matchup with Yoronga South Brisbane. As we mentioned earlier, you both clashed in the uh, 2016 Grand Final. I had the pleasure of being there, calling that game uh, a bit badly on my behalf, but I called the game at Leishon Park, uh, which was an absolute thriller. Yoronga got ahead um, with uh, a couple of minutes to go, then you call it back to, to win that premiership after being denied by Cooper Rear for a number of years. Uh, you had two uh, fairly close games uh, throughout the year. Before the break, the last game in round three, uh, you won 7951 to 5232. But then the sides changed rapidly um, when it was just four points the difference when you met again in round eight, four, six, thirty to three, eight, twenty-six, with both sides getting back some complement of Lions and Suns players. Yes. Um, yeah, we, we have great rivalry with this team. Um, it's always a very good battle out there. We seem to match up. Um, quite well and we both yeah we, as you said we both had a handful of ASLW players so last time we met I think they were missing a couple and we were as well so it's yeah interesting to see how we go on Sunday and, of course, uh, Yoronga did cause the upset, knocking off uh, the minor premiers, Bond University, to get through to play the grand final. Now, of course, uh, they've got a number of stars on their side, uh, kicking off with uh, Sam Virgo, going through uh, Jackie Yorston, uh, Renee Cowan, uh, throw in there um, Lauren Arnell as well, Emily Bates, Jordan Zanchetta. But to be fair, on the... Cooling Gatta Tweed side, you've got uh, some impressive experience there. You've got uh, Kate Spud Sermon in the team, Leah Kasler, Sally Riley, of course, uh, formerly with uh, the, the Crows, uh, going back a few years. Um, also yep. in there, Courtney Eugle, who's played in WA, played in Victoria recently with Essendon before coming up to Queensland. Paige Parker, Selena Priest. Uh, I can also rattle off names such as Jasmine Hewitt, Jordan Hickey, Maddie Roberts have all pulled on the boots this year. Yeah, we've, we've got a fantastic bunch of girls. 
um, we really back our depth too. So we've got quite a good top-end talent, but we really back our um, the remainder of our players too to you know, really pull the team together. And, um, yeah, the 20 that we pick, which is going to be a hard task for the coach, um, we back them all the way. So... And according to the stats, um, a standout year so far from Ebony Peterson, Kate Sermon and yourself, uh, all three of you named six times in the team's best. In your own words, can you go through Ebony and Kate's outstanding year? And I know it's hard to talk about yourself, but how have you felt that you've played this year? Uh, Ebony and Kate um, generally play in the midfield. Um, Kate, or Spud, as she's known, um, plays up forward a little bit. Um, they're both just really um, hard hard hitters. They, they get all those hard ball gets. They're always in and under. And they've got exceptional skills. So both of them are always racking up possessions and have really high um, disposal efficiency. So they create headaches in the midfield for all of our opposition um, that we face. Um, I play in the back line, so I'm really well supported um, in the back line by my teammates. I'm probably a bit biased, but I think our back line has arguably been one of the best back lines in the comp for the last couple of years. So I'm supported by the likes of um, Beth, Beth Pynchon, Selena Priest, uh, Amy Fortescue, Lee Elder. Lucy Turney, um, and a few others rotating through there. So, yeah, we've been, we've managed to shut down lots of opposition teams this year, and we're hoping to do the same thing against Yoronga on Sunday. Can you talk about the influence Nicole Graves has had in essentially less than a year? Uh, of course, she's a legend in Victorian women's football. Most recently was uh, general manager of women's football at Carlton a year ago. Won a number of premierships at uh, Swan Districts recently in Western Australia. Can you talk about what she has brought to the group? Oh, she has just brought a wealth of experience and, you know, a different... Um, different kind of view on the game I guess um, we've all improved we call it footy IQ and we've all improved dramatically in the way we talk about the game analyse our own game and yeah uh, it's honestly no secret that anywhere Nicole Graves goes um, success and premierships follow because she's just an amazing coach and she's just got so much wisdom and knowledge of the game. Uh, before we let you go, t- to beat Yoronga South Brisbane, in your mind when it comes to, say, key performance indicators, what boxes do you think you need to tick to make sure that you're on top? I think we need to be um, a little bit cleaner with our skills than we were last week. That's something we'll look to improve um, at training this week. And... Look, finals footy, I honestly think it comes down to who who wants it more. You know, um, we've been doing all the right things all year. You know, we've got, got our game plan in check. We know who we need to match up on. Um, we just need to want it more and take it all out there on the day.
And finally, before I let you go, you're a woman who's come all the way from Victoria, all the way from Ballarat, coming up to Queensland to play footy. You're here at Coolangatta Tweed. You're captain of the club. What will it mean to you personally to be named 2020 QAFLW Premiership captain um, at, at the end of Sunday? Oh, it would mean so much. Um, I'm already getting emotional thinking about it. Um, it's been, we've really been toiling hard for, since 2016 really, to to be up at the top again. So um, there's a handful of us, about four or five girls that played in that premiership team who've been, been at Cooley and in the team this year. So for us in particular, I think it'll be very special. Um, but for the team as a whole, um, nothing can beat the feeling of winning a premiership. So we're hoping we can get the job done. Well, Alex, you've been very generous with your time. Thanks for joining us here at the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel, Carnival. And we wish you and the Coolangatta Tweed Bluebirds all the very best as you take on the Yeronga South Brisbane Devils this Sunday in the Bond University QAFLW Grand Final. Thank you very much and thank you for your time. Don't go anywhere because next we're going to be chatting with the Melbourne Football Club's newest Irish recruit out of Dublin. It's Lauren McGee next on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. Been playing for a while, sweet kicks. Because footy makes you smile, sweet kicks football. If you're getting ready for the trial. Go the extra mile Sweet Kicks Football Not always hearing that sweet sound when you kick the ball? Need to develop your footwork or explosive speed? Want to take the next step in your footy career? Then you need Sweet Kicks. More info on our Facebook page or go to our website sweetkicksfootballacademy.com.au Gotta go the extra mile Sweet Kicks Football. Welcome back to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast here on RSN 927's digital radio channel, Carnival. As we spoke last week with the head of AFL Island Women's, Michael Curran, the number of Irish women in the AFLW will be 16 in 2021. 15 of the 18 from the 2020 season will return. And there's a new signing with the Melbourne Football Club. She took part in the AFLW Draft Combine in December last year, registering 3.40 seconds for the 20-metre sprint and 16.7 in the yo-yo. She is the third woman from Dublin to be joining the Demons. It's great to have on the line sportswoman Lauren McGee. Lauren, how are you? Very well, thank you. How are you? Not too bad at all. Great to have you on the line. And I believe uh, as we speak to you, we're, we're catching you uh, enjoying some Gaelic football back home in Dublin. Yeah, my little sister's playing a game, so I'm just watching her match. While on the phone too, while trying to multitask. <laughs> Let's talk about your sports story. Obviously, we want to introduce you to the fans, particularly of the uh, Melbourne Football Club, who will be watching you run around in the 2021 AFLW season. Um, is it essentially been an all Gaelic football background? Yeah, no, um, I've been playing Gaelic football since I was four years old and um, started in what we call our nursery. And um, so I've kind of dabbled in a few other sports, but um, 
never kind of committed to them. Always went back and was fully committed to Gaelic football since a young age. And it seems to pay it off for you well. An impressive pedigree in uh, Gaelic football, uh, let alone in Dublin. I believe three All Senior Ladies Football Championships and uh, the All Star Award in 2018. Yeah, no, um, lucky to be a part of obviously a great panel um, with the girls in Dublin. Uh, obviously, they've they've gone through a lot of defeats. Um, I, we were beaten in 2016, um, and they were beaten a few years previous to that, um, which I was only kind of coming on to the panel then. And so I was lucky enough to, to obviously get or to win a few All Ireland with the girls, and to obviously get new management in and kind of. Just the few, the last few years have been unbelievable experience. Um, so I've been very fortunate to be on the type of team that I'm on at the moment. They're regarded as being a powerhouse team in Dublin. How does it feel to be in that environment where there's there's a fair bit of expectation on you? Oh yeah, like there's definitely expectations. Um, I prefer it. Like I, like you played. I played a sport for the competitive side, and so obviously to try to win. Is obviously the main goal, but like obviously you want to enjoy it. But like I, you like I like to play at a high standard. Um, I think when you're playing, when you're not playing at a high standard, like it's not as well. I wouldn't find it as fun, but I just think it's a great environment to be in. And the girls are great. Like every training session, like our in-house games between ourselves are as competitive as playing other counties. So like it's it's a great environment to be in. In and I'm very unfortunate to be there. Let's talk about your Aussie rules journey. Now, as we know, uh, the Melbourne Football Club actually had the first Irish woman in the AFLW back in 2017 with uh, Laura Jaray. And then, of course, as we know, Cora Staunton was the first who was based in Ireland to come across and play in uh, 2018. The signings exploded by 2020 to include 18 Irishmen, uh, most of them uh, from the Crosscoders program. Uh, For yourself, when did Aussie rules first appear on your radar? Um, so around December, um, I got a phone call just that the combine would, the first combine was coming to Dublin. Uh, like obviously a lot of the girls would fly out and do the combine in Australia, but this one was the first one to come uh, to Ireland. Um, and just kind of was put to me, would I be interested in it? Um, and I think just with the two girls, um, Goldie and Macker already been over, um, I think it appealed to me just a, a bit more. I just, even if, like, I, I just wanted to kind of give it a go, see how I got on before making any decisions and just see kind of what, what was involved and obviously coming over and, and different things like that. But, yeah, that's how it came about. And then it was kind of like, it was quite soon. Like, I think a couple of few of the girls already knew about it um, a while before it, whereas, like, I think I was told, like, two weeks before it was happening and um, that it was on. So it was kind of, it was kind of a last minute. Thing, um, but I was lawyer to have been told about it and have the opportunity to partake in it. Yeah, it came on fairly quickly. In fact, some of the Irish journalists didn't actually know the draft combine was held until it had been held and they were given a press yeah. release afterwards. Um, there was only actually 13 in your group. It was a rather small combine compared to what we used to in Australia when it's hosted in Melbourne and all the states come together. You'll have something like around 70 or 80 involved. How intense is it when you've got some of the best Irish sportswomen, just 13 of you in that small group going essentially mono on mono through all these tests in a very short period of time? 
Yeah, like it was. It was very intense, and obviously, like amazing footballers and um, from around the country and um, were all involved. And I think there was supposed to be a bit more involved, but be, just due to like different injuries and like because we they were still in the middle of like club championships and stuff, that a few people weren't involved. But it was. I think it was more that because there was so little of us, you knew there was more kind of you were like more focused on if that makes sense and which kind of made people want like obviously you want to perform better for that reason alone and but like it was good I think I think it would have been a bit better if there was a bit more people just for the terms of like kind of the games kind of the second day and different things like that but like I still we still done enough to show our skills and and to be able to show kind of what we can do and like the testing wise as we I kind of as I said, like it was, it came very, came very soon. So the testing was a bit of a shock, like I, as in, like I, I hadn't been playing football. Um, like club had finished and Dublin was finished for me. So it was kind of my off season when the testing happened. So, but I was still happy with results and stuff. So, but it was good. It was intense, but it was a really good experience. That's an interesting perspective because you said you you had two weeks' notice com- to when the combine happened. What type of training can you do in that two weeks to help improve your performance? Knowing that, as you said, you're in off-season mode, so you can't just ramp it up to 100% straight yeah. away. You've got to try and find um, a way I kinda, to get I, there. I, yeah, yeah, no, I, I kind of got on I got on to, like, um, just kind of training conditioning coaches that, like, I would would know or have worked, like, or, like, my dad would work, would have worked with, and um, just to kind of get a bit of, like, anything that could have helped like you can't go full throttle like to do the yo-yo test straight away when you haven't been doing it. So just kind of for those two weeks, I literally just kind of had um, just like different like like sprints that kind of and runs that kind of like brought me up to kind of a level that I do okay in. But as I, as you said, like two weeks and um, doesn't really do you justice, especially when you're in off uh, off season mode, like um, after being with club in Dublin for the whole year um, I definitely wasn't like doing any doing much exercise anyway so it was a bit of a shock a bit of a shock to the system but um, I still was happy with my results so um, it would have been nice to have a bit longer to prepare but I done the best I could in um, a short period of time just to highlight, um, obviously, the talent that you've had to go up against. Can you talk us through some of those other um, uh, participants you were up against? Because I believe there was uh, Donnie Gall's uh, Geraldine McLaughlin was there, and she was the fastest in the sprint and the um, uh, agility test. Um, and also, um, Kerry's yeah, no. uh, Sarah Houlihan was there as well. And I believe Ross Commons' Jenny Higgins. Yeah, no, God, God um, Jerry McLaughlin, like, you know, from marking her or, like, to playing against her when you're playing Johnny Golda, she's one of the fastest out there and, um, like, very difficult to to mark. And um, so it was really good to, like, to be, uh, like, you know, like, kind of to play alongside her, although, like, we were playing against each other and obviously competing against each other in the combine. It was a really good experience to be up against, like, girls like her and Sarah and like, she got, I think, the the best time with the yo-yo test like she just kept going um, and the same on the pitch like she's impossible to mark in that sense like like she retired there from into county but um, she, she wouldn't think it like she's still flying so um, like it was really good to like compete against those types of people and like it, like, I was, like that's why that's why I play you want to play against 
the best and really good footballers out there. So to compete in a combine with that level of um, talent and um, just makes you push that bit harder uh, to like to make make sure that you're doing your best. So it was really enjoyable. Now, as we said, the combine happened in December 2019. So at that stage, it was too late for any player to be signed to an AFLW list to participate in the 2020 season. Um, so what stage between December and August 20th, when it was officially announced, did uh, contact first come from the Melbourne Football Club? Um, well, contact came quite soon. Like, I was, I was talking to the scout at the, at the Combine, um, and then kind of after that we kept in touch, um, just kind of uh, just kind of chatting about things and, um, so I kind of it was quite soon on that I had contact with Melbourne, but like with the demons, but like there was ne- never anything set in stone, and it was kind of more so because of the um, Goldie and Macca were there, and I think they they liked the we I, like I like the idea of staying with the two girls and, and being able to go over and play with them, and um, but they like Todd like the scout like he kept me in the loop the whole time and. It was quite early on, but like, no, as I said, not was set in stone. It was just kind of talking about different things and stuff like that. But um, it wasn't literally until I think a week or two before it was announced that like anything was set in stone and that I was signing. So um, it had been all up in the air until literally a week or two before I signed. Because and it was announced. Because you took part in a draft combine, that means any club is allowed to contact you until you're finally signed. So was there much interest from other sides? Um I yeah, no, I had a I had a few people on to me at the combine, but I don't know whether there wasn't I hadn't heard from many clubs then after, um but then I don't know whether it's because I I was I had so much contact with Melbourne that I didn't have any contact from other clubs, but um, no, I didn't. I, I had one or two other clubs uh, kind of contact me, but that was about it. Was the Melbourne contract in a way surprising considering the coronavirus um, environment we live in at the moment? Because obviously when the season was stopped here in Australia in mid-March and uh, virtually all bar one of the Irish women quickly head back home because everything was going into lockdown. There was a fear going on, will the borders open? Will they come back or will they not be allowed to participate? Everything was like anything with coronavirus. It was up in the air. So were you surprised on that front to be offered a contract that, yes, they still want to commit and continue to this Irish program? Um, yeah, 100%. I was very surprised. Um, no, I had I had a lot of faith and hope and, and that it would go ahead and that I would get the opportunity to come over and play. Um, but literally, as I said, it was all up in the air until literally the week or two before I it was announced that I was coming over. Um, I just presumed at that point that just with everything happening that it just wasn't feasible. And I know girls were already going, were we're going back over but I was like I just was of the opinion that it'd be a lot harder for myself to come over when I haven't played whereas the girls other the other a lot of the other Irish girls are re-signing contracts so they've already been over they've already done pre-seasons they've already done all the skills everything like that so it'd be a lot easier for them to come back and kind of slot in whereas like obviously I'm brand new to the game so I was quite surprised, especially with 
our county season goes on and it doesn't start till the weekend of the 31st of October, so Halloween. Um, so we'd be coming over later than the than the pre-season wish and the team. So I'd be missing a lot of the pre-season. So I was quite surprised that I still was given the opportunity to come over, which I'm so delighted with because it, it just mean, it means a lot from the club to still be able to give you the chance to come over, even though I'm missing um, a few, like a month or two of pre-season, depending on uh, the way our county season goes. As alluded to about a month or so ago with our interview with Ashlyn McCarthy, who, of course, has moved from the Western Bulldogs to the West Coast Eagles, and they've granted her permission to have a delayed start to her pre-season due to those county football um, uh, obligations. Uh, let's talk about county football for a moment because a couple of your Dublin teammates have been signed to Melbourne, so it's a hat-trick of Dublin players with Sinead McGoldrick there and Neve McAvoy. Um, with Sinead and Neve, uh, first of all, before we talk about skills and preparing... Um, what did you pick their brains on to begin with about Melbourne and, and what did it open your eyes to about the club and the league that you may not have actually thought of? Um, I guess just um, just kind of like the, they, they spoke highly of the club since they've been over and like because we'd obviously with Dublin we'd have a very high standard of training, the way we do things, the way we carry ourselves, everything like that um, and they they just like they gave me the opinion that Melbourne is very high with every like the standards of everything they do, like the way they carry themselves and just the way that they portray the club just appealed to me a lot. Um, and then I just picked their brains on obviously the rules, kind of um, like how they were finding it. Obviously, it's a lot different in the sense of like the, the when you're hopping the ball and then obviously the kicks a lot different. Um, so just trying to get tips on that type of thing, but the the way they came across and the way like they told me about all the girls and the coaches and just they 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 haven't they've spoke so highly of everyone and um, that like it's hard not to be excited or to want to play for a team like Melbourne when obviously you're hearing firsthand from the girls and um, their experience and how well they've gotten on with them. So um, yeah, no, that's that's like that's the type of things I was kind of picking their brains on was definitely about the team, about how the club was run and then obviously then rules and skills, kind of how, how they're managing to do stuff. Um, but yeah, no, the the girls I think are definitely a big um, a big help for me. They got, like to be able to know that I'm going over with the two of them, but also to know that they've they've seen firsthand and been there firsthand on how everything's run and just makes it a lot easier to, to commit and to want to go over. Now, as you mentioned about skills for a moment, um, how tricky is it to try and fit some skill work in there? Because obviously, as you said, you're going to be focusing on your county uh, commitments coming up uh, close towards the end of October. Um, in a normal uh, environment where there wouldn't be coronavirus, um, if you were signed in uh, July, August, you would have had the opportunity to play a handful of games, for example, with AFL Island Women's, to at least just get the touch of the ball and a little bit used to the speed of the game and how the ball moves. So with, I guess with Sinead and Neve, how have you been able to work work a little bit on your skills in between obviously what you're focusing on with your county commitments yeah we're, it, it is tough like the balance and obviously when you're involved in county and um, that's that's your main priority and we're myself and Goldie we we only played a club final there last week so we we're obviously focused on that as well so it is hard to fit in 
um, to try find the balance. But we have, we've, it's, as I said, it's easier to have the girls there because like the difference of me going out on my own, trying to practice the skills when like, I'm obviously not, like, I don't know exactly whether I'm doing things right and wrong. Now I'm able to send videos back and forth to uh, the Melbourne club and the management, but like, it's better for like me to have the two girls there to be able to go out and have um, a skill session with them. And, but we're just trying to, we're just trying to like incorporate it into our week um, and just get out um, at least once or twice a week, just to make sure that uh, we are getting our skills in and that we aren't falling behind that. So when we, when we do come over, we do have, we do have our skills um, like up to date and, like as in as much as possible obviously the girls have a bit more um, like they've obviously had played so they they're a lot more comfortable than I am but it's as I said it's great to have them there because they're able to, to help me and coach me through this stuff but as I said it's, it's all about balance but we have to we're with Dublin now and we have to be committed to Dublin and uh, to be fair the Melbourne the Melbourne team um, and coaches completely know that and they uh, they're really good in that sense, and but they, we are expected to do our skills as well. So it is you just have to balance it, and it is it's it's doable. Like it's like it's that we're able to slot it in there, no problem. So um, it's fine in that aspect. Let's talk about some of those remote things that, that Melbourne can do. Uh, for example, for yourself, you can go onto the AFLW website, you can go onto YouTube, you can watch clips of broadcasts of AFLW games to see a little bit of the movement and the style of football. Some prefer, prefer the coach's view, which is uh, goalpost to goalpost, looking up the ground to see where the movement of players go. Do Melbourne actually give you that extra vision or extra I guess homework in a way saying this is a little bit of our game plan this is what we like to do almost a remote learning course before so you're kind of up to speed before you jump on that plane yeah no um I've already I've already been on watching a lot of the girls games and kind of talking through tactics and although I might sit there and kind of be a bit and um, confused at times as I said like I'm still trying to learn the, the rules of the game and I'm different things but um, definitely is a great thing to have to be able to watch the matches um, and different games and be able to know the skills and look at them um, and look at kind of what they're looking for in terms of uh, game plans and stuff like that but um, I think it's a massive help I think if I didn't have that and as I said going over a bit later um, it would be a, a lot more confusing but the fact that I'm able to do Zoom calls with the team and to look at what they're like looking at in terms of uh, what their game strategy is and kind of their old games and what they done well and what they need to work on and kind of looking at different angles of the pitch and um, in terms of how they set up and kind of all that stuff um, is very, I think, very useful. I think if I didn't have that and I was going over kind of blindsided, it'd be a lot more difficult sport. The fact that I'm able to kind of, I'm able to go on and watch um, a lot of the, the, their games, their previous games and kind of listen to what they have to say um, makes it a lot easier um, and a lot more comfortable to be able to go over and not be completely confused on what's going on. And no doubt Melbourne will be naturally trusting that you'll be in shape by the time you come there in December because you are playing that county Gaelic football and you're doing a heck of a lot of running. It is a very fast sport. But do they actually ask you to submit, I guess, in a way, a bit of homework based on that? Do they want to know still why you're playing? They want you to go, for example, for a 2K run and, and give what time you're doing a 2K run in. Do they want to know 
things like uh, body weight and dietary, what you're eating at the moment, what do they want to, I guess, pick your brains about how you're preparing yourself? Well, at the moment, um, like there is a, a big trust between um, the Dublin and the Melbourne team and um, like our shined conditioning coach um, with Dublin always has been in great condition, like coming into championship mode with in terms of fitness and weight, everything like that, uh, strength. So I think there at the moment we we haven't been asked or like we we might have to do a two K time trial within like the se- like within our own season back here, but we haven't been asked at the moment. We we do our own kind of test and we would do like a Bronco and a one K testing and um, here with our team so um, I, like at the moment I think it's just a trust between us to make sure that we're doing enough um, and I'm, I'm sure like the, as the season goes in with Dublin um, they might they might just see how we're getting on and um, I'd say it's just it'll be having to be conversations between I'd say our team and their team just to make sure that we are doing enough and that we are going to be um, up to speed and um, fit enough for uh, coming over as the girls are obviously doing their pre-season but um, I think we we will be in shape um, but I'm sure the, the three of us if we need to do more we will do more but at the moment we don't have to do um, we just have to focus on Dublin and just kind of do our fitness at Dublin which I, ultimately I think if we're if we're with Dublin and we're playing championship mode I think it'll be it'll be very intense. So I think we will be up to standards with our fitness. We know at the moment, uh, as we broadcast here from Melbourne, Australia, we're currently in stage four lockdown. But by the time uh, you arrive in uh, late November, early December, we hopefully should be getting back to what they dub a a COVID normal circumstance. Um, What is it like, I guess, mentally getting ready to make the trip out here, knowing that it it won't be quite normal compared to what Sinead and Neve had last year during their preseason and its full contact training, knowing that you're coming into an environment where we, we have COVID officers, everyone's got to do all these safeties, the balls have to be sanitised this, I guess, surreal world that we're living in um, Yeah, it's a, it's a bit, it's a daunting but then also we're we're already in, like we're kind of been at that stage at the moment with club football and it's like the new norm I guess, so I feel like because we're already playing like I'm playing club football in those circumstances and then like we're back with county football and it's similar circumstances we're back to like uh, level three in Dublin and so we have to be very strict on everything we do again and and I think because we're obviously it would be totally different if we if like say if we were back to normal here and then I would go over and it's a lot different there'd be a lot like an experience that would be a lot different than the girls and it would be a bit more daunting but I think because it's kind of becoming the new norm and Although I'd love to be able to go over and it just be normal, but obviously that won't be the case. But we'll just, I just have to get on with it. And uh, like I'm still delighted with to, to have the, the, the opportunity to come over, but um, there obviously will be having to adapt to the way COVID, the restrictions and stuff. But that's just the way I think life is going to be for the next, for the next while. So um, we just have to get on with it, I guess.
And your plans for the 2021 year, is it to come across um, uh, from through the December window just for the season or you're looking to possibly stay on for a year or so, visa permitting naturally, um, and stay through the Australian winter or will you be returning back home? Um, for this year, um, no, I will be returning back home. Um, I think just with it being um, very short, like obviously, as I said, I, I didn't know up until very recently that I was going over um, that. So it, it, it was quite kind of sudden that like I was making the decision to move over. So and um, no, I will be returning um, after the season finishes with Melbourne. When you got signed, you were instantly given the nickname Specky McGee. Did you wonder what the <laughs> heck's this Specky business all about? <laughs> yeah, I kind of I text uh, text a few, and I was kind of like, um, I don't wear glasses because, like, obviously, I well, that would be the term we'd use Specky uh, for. I like kind of I thought like I was like I don't wear glasses, and then I remember I was told that it's um, obviously an AFL uh, book series, so. Um, I kind of copped it straight away, and then I, people from here were kind of like, "Why are they calling you Specky?" Um, so there was a, a bit of a confusion, but I think once people looked it up, they were like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense." What are you hoping to get out of your first season? Um, obviously, like obviously coming over late um, isn't going to help um, with in terms of uh, like obviously like being with the girls from the start and. Like obviously, like ultimately, I'm very competitive and would love to start and love to get some game time. But even to get some game time and um, within the season would be amazing. But as I said, it's, I know that like coming over late and um, missing preseason and um, will contribute to that. So it'll be tough to get in. But just to get and um, just to get my skills up um, and to just contribute to the team in any way possible. And um, just like, especially on the training ground, training grounds, like if I'm able to push players um, and to help in any way possible, and um, while improving myself and my my skills in the game, the game that I play, and um, that'll be the ultimate goal is just to contribute to the team and hopefully eventually um, get some game time. Just about every AFLW footballer that's played at least one game has their own Wikipedia page. So I ask you in closing, what will it mean to you that if you finally do get to come down here, you get to play at least one game, that one day you're going to sit back years from now, type your name into Google, and there's Lauren McGee, your own Wikipedia page? <laughs> oh, um, it'd be a bit weird, but um, it'll be, especially if I get the opportunity to play a few games, it'd be amazing. But um, yeah, no, I, I don't know how I feel about Wikipedia page. It feels a bit weird that um, if that was the case, but uh, it'd be very funny to, to know that I had a Wikipedia page. Well, Lauren, thank you very much for being generous with your time and joining us here on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival. We wish you all the very best with the county championship uh, coming up uh, later in October. And uh, for around November, December, you'll move down to Australia and participating in the 2021 AFLW season with the Melbourne Football Club. Thanks so much for having me on.
And that concludes the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN Carnival for yet another week. This podcast airs every Wednesday evening, 6pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival right here in Melbourne, Australia. You can listen worldwide live via rsn.net.au and the RSN Racing and Sport app or you can download the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast later on by going to your favourite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Deezer, the iHeartRadio website and app or at our website, warfradio.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just put a slash at the end and WARF Radio. Until next week, I'm Peter Holden. Thanks so much for your company, and it's bye for now.